Brother Hank used to say, he just said it because the Bible said it, but it's been kind of stirring in me the last couple of days that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And um, many times we get too focused on um, our surroundings and what we see and what we feel and what we smell. Have you ever been like, my son and I, we've got, okay, we got this, uh, we've been wanting to get the kids like a trampoline for a long time, so we finally... I've been traveling so much, and then with the traveling, I get all these points on my uh, card. So we got a big discount on a nice trampoline. So we got a trampoline, and um, I want to do something special for my son. He couldn't sleep or something. I said, okay, let's go out. Everybody else is sleeping except for mom. We're going to go. We're going to jump on the trampoline together, just you and me. So we open the door, and he's like, ooh, Dad, what's that smell? And I'm like, mm, that's a skunk. And she was sitting in the living room, and she said, <gasps> whoa, did you see the skunk? Because it just came right to her, and it was so strong, and it so overtook. I, I said, Isaac, I love you very much. <laughs> it was a Saturday night. It was last Saturday, actually. And I said, uh, maybe we shouldn't do it tonight. And my wife was like, don't do it, don't do it. I'm like, well, it'd be a story, right? We get into church, and everybody be like, what's that smell? My um, uh, parents and I, when I was, I don't know what, I, I was a teenager in high school, and we were driving, I think from a state park, we were driving home, and we hit a skunk. And um, man, <laughs> I had smelled skunk before, but never like that. And it somehow splashed all up into the car, not inside, but outside. And so we would pull up to a stop sign. And I just thought, oh, it's uncomfortable. The, the windows were shut, and our eyes were watering and burning. The smell was so strong. So... <laughs> But the point I'm trying to make with that is, you know, we get overcome by the sense realm many times. And many times like that, you seem like you can't overcome it. And you're like, like, hurry up. You're like honking at the stop sign. Get out of the way because you want to keep going so the wind is like blowing the smell off. And sometimes life can come at you like that where like from every direction, everywhere you turn, you know, can I just get one break? You know, I'm trying to stop for a second. You stop for a second and it's like, oh, it's burning. It's hurting. Um, and the devil really, uh, the Bible tells us that the devil is the God of this world. Yeah. So he's in charge of what's going on in the world. That's not how God planned it. God, of course, created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them and then gave Adam, said, Adam, I've given you authority over all of the work of my hands. Yeah. And then he said, take dominion over it. So he gave Adam uh, charge and dominion and then, uh, you know, he created Eve and um, so Adam and Eve are ruling and reigning in the earth realm. Uh, Adam even got to name all of the animals. And then Satan came along and tempted Eve. And, um, you know, really she was deceived. The man was not deceived. He, he knew what he was doing. So that's not the subject of my message. <laughs> but when that happened, <laughs> when that happened, um, man sold out to the devil. And that's when he got authority over the earth realm. So we see lots of things that happen in the, the earth that are actually bad things and weather patterns and those type of things. Uh, that's not a result of God. That's a result of the fall and of the devil. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And, you know, I... I I'm quite hopeful 
well, I shouldn't say that. I'm happy to follow whatever the Lord wants, but we'll probably finish the series this week or next week, possibly today. And we're on this series about the miracle life, the miracle life. And we've taken the framework from a study uh, by Dr. T.L. Osborne, who's gone to heaven, went to heaven, I think, in 2013. And um, he, you know, through his whole life and ministry, he obviously learned many, many things. He was a world evangelist and mightily used of the Lord. Uh, I mean, any number of miraculous healings you can possibly think of. I'm thinking one right now where there was a boy that had a water head, and his, it was in the Philippines, and his head was just like inflated like this. And... Um, Normally, he didn't lay hands on people, and this particular time, the mother was so distraught, she came up, and he said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pray for the child. So he prayed for the child, and the next day, um, this lady came up to him and said, you know, Brother Osborne, Brother Osborne, you know, do you remember me? He said, no, I don't, I don't remember you. And there was this little boy with her just running around, normal as can be, and it was the same little boy, completely healed, completely restored. Well, many times... Uh, during his ministry, he was friends with, I don't know how you guys know history, Bible history, but he was friends with a guy named F.F. Bosworth, who wrote the book called Christ the Healer, which is an amazing book if you've never read it. Um, if you want a good study in healing, that's a fabulous study in healing. And the thing I really like about his book is it all takes you to the Word of God. And in fact, the first, I don't know, three or four pages of that just talks about the importance of the Word and how wonderful the Word is and how the Word will set you free from anything. And when Brother Osborne would minister... Um, he would just minister faith in the Word of God. So he would say, uh, you know, and, and it's so true, uh, you know, when, when you speak things, the words coming out of your mouth are creative. Okay? When God formed the heavens and the earth, he did it with words. He believed and he spoke. He said, let there be light and there was light. You know, let the, let the firmament rise, you know, basically. Let the land separate from the water. And so on and so forth. And God created what we see by words. And I think it's in Corinthians tells us that, that the worlds were framed by words, what we see. So when we have to remember, we're talking about like, you know, this skunk smell that's overcoming us and we just smell it. Um, that the spirit world is more real than the natural world. The spirit world is what created what we see. It's what created the earth that we um, stand on, and it's what created gravity that keeps us attached to the earth, so we don't just, you know, float up, and um, that was all created and formed by words, words of faith, so we're created, the Bible says, in the likeness and the image of God, we're, I, I like this, we're as much like God as God himself has the ability to make us, he's the one that said, I created you in my likeness and in my image. And so we're as much like God as he has the ability to make us. And uh, again, we slip back into the skunk smell, and we're like, well, yeah, but, you know, I just said something I shouldn't say or did something I shouldn't do or didn't do something I should have done. We look at ourselves after the natural. But if you're a Christian, if you're born again, uh, any man, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, any man that be in Christ is a new creature. Never existed before, one translation says. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not some things, but all things. So, and you have to, we talked several weeks ago about this, you have to behold that. Behold, all things have become new. So stop and look. Stop smelling the skunk. Like, plug your nose. And look on the inside. And you'll find, whoa, I have got that, I've got the, you know, I think it's Romans chapter 5 talks about the love of Christ constrains us. 
So when I would do these things that I shouldn't do, I've got this tugging on the inside saying, oh, hold on, Tim. Don't say that. Don't do that. Wait up. That's the life of God. That's the love of God. That's the spirit of God inside of you and inside of me giving us direction. And um, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He won't um, force you to do anything. I think I decided I want to move over here. He won't force you to do anything. He'll always lead and provide a way and give a gentle push. You know, uh, uh, I think it's Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's a witness. So what's a witness? Well, a lot of times you're, you say, hey, did you see that car crash over there? Oh, yeah, I saw that too. So, you know, you're kind of like, you know, hey, Lord, sh- you know, should I go this direction? Like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Or, hmm, yeah, better hold off, better hold off. So a lot of times we're looking for something that is um, spectacular. And we miss something that's supernatural. So supernatural is beyond the natural. So it's beyond, you know, uh, the skunk smell. I didn't intend to use that skunk the whole time, but it's working pretty good. Uh, But we miss the supernatural. And the supernatural is just God involved in your life. It's beyond the natural. Spectacular would be like a miracle and someone's arm grows out. And, you know, that's all um, available as well. But we're talking about just the still small voice, the leading of the Lord. So uh, we find that the, the world itself was framed by words. Well, if the world was framed by words and if, you know, um, God created the world, then his words can change anything that we see in the natural. His words have creative power. Um, uh, remember the scripture that says he sent his word and he healed us? So his word is what heals us. So we know that no matter what the sickness or the disease, that the word, when taken in sufficient measure, will affect a healing and a cure. So the word of God spoken. And one of the things um, that's real important is when you're speaking words, you want to speak words of faith. What does that mean? Well, that means when we speak, we want to speak um, what we believe from the word of God. So... Uh, you know, I've said it a few times. If you have a difficulty, and maybe we should just use healing, if you have uh, sickness in your body, you want to find scriptures that cover sickness and disease in the Word of God. Like First Peter, you know, by his stripes you are healed. Matthew eight seventeen, himself took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. By his stripes we are healed. Uh, Galatians three thirteen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We know that the curse of the law contains poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And he's redeemed us from that. And if you want to know specific, it's great to go back to Deuteronomy 28 and look at the curse. And you'll find almost every category, I think it is every category, of sickness and disease is listed there. And then if that's not enough, it says, and every disease and every sickness that's not written here is part of the curse. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse. How did he do that? Because he became a curse for us. So he redeemed us from the curse. But a lot of times we'll find ourselves, or sometimes I should say, let's give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We find words on our lips, you know, that our hearts kind of regret. Like, why did I just say that? And one of the things I try to, trying to develop in and have been for years, and hopefully I'm making progress, is that uh, if I say something, especially if I'm like, you know, well, that person, da 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 da, then I want to correct it right away as soon as I have the check. I don't want to wait. You know, I want to. 
I want to get better and not say it at all, you know, but um, we're all growing and developing. And your words and my words and God's words are seeds. And when you plant seeds, you want to plant them in the right place and in the right way. So if you're a farmer or you just have a little garden, you know, uh, there may be some seeds you do this with. I can't think of what they would be right now. But you generally just don't go, just throw it out. You know, you don't till up the ground. You don't do anything. You just throw the seeds out and, you know, going to have a, a harvest. You know, you may actually get a little plant, but some of them are going to grow in the weeds. Some of them are going to grow in good ground. And some of them will be tall. Some of them will be short. Uh, but most of them will not be the harvest that you're looking for. So we have to uh, watch our words and measure our words, and get our words from the Word of God. Um, so if you're talking with somebody, maybe you're talking with a friend or a coworker, and, uh, you know, let's take the country. Everybody can talk about the country and the politics and, and all of that. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not intending to be political. But you could take either party, and people will get very passionate Actually, there's a missionary friend of mine in India, and he was talking to me about it a few years ago when I was there. And I said something like, why in the world? People are so, like, attached to their political beliefs. I mean, they're more attached to the Christians are more attached to their political beliefs than they are to Jesus Christ and the Bible. And they don't even realize they wouldn't admit it. And he said, well, that goes back, like, to the book of Daniel, the, you know, the prince of the power of the air. And, you know, you look at all of the, you know, he was praying and he couldn't get through because the prince of Persia was stopping him and all this. And so you look that there's uh, demonic forces influencing and don't take me out of context. I'm not saying anybody's possessed and all of that type of stuff. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm not saying they are. But <laughs> there are demonic forces in the world, like that skunk smell that try to influence you and get you to do certain things. And most people are just um, ignorant and don't understand, and they respond to those. Uh, because, you know, the Bible tells us there's many voices in the world, and not one is without significance. So we need to pay attention to the, to the voice that we're listening to. But you may be in a, a political conversation, a political discussion, and you look at things and you're kind of disgusted with how they are. Maybe now or, you know, maybe eight years ago. How's that? <laughs> Include everybody. Uh, you may just be totally dissatisfied. So you start talking down your leaders, talking down... Uh, the leaders of our country. You know, Timothy says that we should pray and give thanks, actually, for those in authority, that we may leave, live a quiet and peaceable life. Well, you find yourselves planting seeds. You know, I don't know. I assume we're all born again here. People of faith that believe in God. You can find yourself being a faith person talking down your country. And you're kind of like, whoa. My words have power. And are affecting, and I, you know, in every other area, I'm saying, man, when I speak, it comes to pass. When I call the money in, it money comes in. When I command the sickness to go, the sickness goes. When I say that my president's the worst president ever, oh. So, um, or you may, you know, um, I was talking with someone this week, and I, I was actually mentioned something similar to him, and I said, you know, I said, what's interesting is, I said, you can have people that uh, Bible talks, you're not supposed to like coarsely joke, coarse joking. And I said, you may be in a group of people, and you can say some funny sexual joke, but you just planted a seed in somebody, and you don't know where everybody's at. And, you know, I know from ministering to several, um, uh, more than several, but plenty of guys 
that a lot of guys struggle with pornography, for instance. And you may like plant a seed there that they're struggling with something and all of a sudden, like you're causing them extra struggles. So uh, my point is that our words are powerful whether we realize it or not. And life and death are actually in the power of our tongue. And, uh, you know, the Bible says uh, that you can use your words to cut or they can bring health. The tongue of the wise brings health. So you can use your words and you can say, well, so-and-so did this and that and everything else like that. And you feel justified. You feel so much better about yourself. But you just cut. Use those words to cut. Or you're short with someone and you... um, you know, you cut that person directly rather than using words to build up and to bring life. So our words are very, very powerful, and that's because we're in the likeness and the image of God. And our goal is to so live in the Word of God um, that that's what's coming out of our mouth. If we look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, one of my favorite uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 20. at 20 and 21, I think. What did I do? Say the wrong one? Oh, I think I said the right one. I turned to the wrong one. Yeah, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So if we let the word of God be what we're attending to, in other words, what we're preoccupied with, then we'll find that it produces fruit after its kind. And, um, you know, you may have something that you don't, you're like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like I believe that. Well, the more you meditate in the word, the more you turn it over, the more it'll become part of you. And then when you speak and you speak in faith, it'll come to pass. So we, we want to um, put the word of God first, give the word of God first place, you know, if Jesus were here in the flesh, uh, you'd probably like drop what you're doing and say, hey, would you, uh, I got this situation, or you, know, you want to talk to me about this, about that. Well, the word of God is, is uh, just as real, and actually we have the spirit of God. So if Jesus were here in the flesh and the Holy Spirit hadn't come, then only, you know, well, he's, you know, he ministered as a man anointed of God, and we've talked about that. Uh, but he would run out of his ability to talk to people multiply really quick, much like we would. Uh, he has the Holy Spirit without measure. But he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so we can have that still small voice, his spirit, speaking to us right now, saying, yeah, what pastor's saying is right. No, what pastor's saying is not right. <laughs> right? You're not limited. I mean, you know, if it was in the 80s, they tried to say, like, like, body ministry. We need body ministry. We don't need, like, pastors anymore, teachers anymore. Well, uh, Jesus said, I gave the gifts into the body till we all come to the unity of faith, to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. So we haven't arrived there. But he gave us the Holy Spirit. We learn in the epistles that you don't need any man to teach you. You have the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I can't really teach, but you can learn. So I can flow, I can give out of the gifting that the Lord has put on me or put in me, and then you can grab hold and receive. And, um, but you're not going to receive a lot if you're just expecting me to do all of it or the Holy Spirit through me to do all of it. You have to grab hold of God from the inside and let him teach you, let him show you. And, uh, you know, 
You can be in a service where uh, you, know, you disagree with some of the stuff or you can be in a service where you agree and get way more than what the minister's ever saying. That's why a lot of times people will come up to us and they'll say, hey, you said such and such. I said, I didn't say that. That's, that's good, but you know, I, didn't, I don't recall saying that. And uh, you know, the other side, sometimes you get to speaking and, and you're such in a flow, you don't even know what you said. Uh, but we have the Holy Spirit. All of us have the Holy Spirit uh, to lead us, uh, to teach us, and to guide us. So the first week we talked about Christ, our model. He used the acrostic miracle, and that's kind of the framework I used. M for miracle, M for model, Christ, our model. Acts chapter 1, turn there real quick. Acts chapter 1, and we read, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. The former treaty or letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And that's Jesus, our model. He began to do something and to teach it. And the cool thing is, the Bible says he began. And if he, be, if he began, that means he's still doing it. It doesn't say all that Jesus began to do and then he completed all he was supposed to do and he's done. He's not doing anything else. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. Some of the religions believe in reincarnation. We believe in the incarnation, that God came in flesh, in human flesh, of a baby named Jesus and was anointed of the Holy Spirit when he got of age. At 30 years old, the Holy Spirit came on him in the form of a dove and he was anointed of the Spirit. That's when his ministry started. That's when the miracles started. That's when it all started. Well, Jesus is our model. So we're to be like him. He shows us how it's, how it's done. He shows us how it you know, how it should be, how ministry should be, how life should be. So we see a sickness and disease on someone just like Jesus did. You know, most of the times people came to him, actually every time somebody came to him and asked for healing, they were healed, either instantly or as they went. Now, not everybody was healed under the ministry of Jesus at the Pool of Bethesda. There was only one man that was healed. And then in his own hometown, he couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. So your ministry can be limited just like his ministry by the unbelief of the people that you're ministering to. So what did he do in his own hometown? Then he began teaching and preaching so he could build faith. So if you need faith in an area, you start listening to the word, you start reading the word, and, and you know, faith will grow and faith will develop. Faith will be activated. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, one translation says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Because Romans tells us that God has given to every man the measure of faith. That means you have a measure of faith, I have a measure of faith. What are you doing with it? What am I doing with it? You can have great faith, strong faith, weak faith, dead faith. What's the condition of your faith? The reason I like that translation is because um, your faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. And many times we can say, well, I just don't have enough faith for that. I don't have this. I don't have that. And then we get into this thing of like, how much of the word do you need to meditate in before you can actually act? One word from God can change your life. You act on one word of God and God will show up. God um, is there to confirm his word. He actually won't let one bit of his word pass away. He's there to confirm his word. So we act upon the word of God and God will show up. Uh, verse 2, until the day he was taken up. So we look at him and he's our inspiration. It inspires us to see what he did and is that possible? Could that be today? You know, and I, I should finish what I said. You know, he was the first incarnation. We're also incarnations. Are we God? No. But the spirit of God has come to live in our flesh. We become one spirit with him. So, um, so now instead of one Christ, there's many Christs. 
What does that mean? Christ simply means the anointed one and his anointing. That means, you know, there is one Holy Spirit. There are not two Holy Spirits or three Holy Spirits or a Pentecostal Holy Spirit and a Baptist Holy Spirit and a Catholic Holy Spirit. There is one Holy Spirit. And it's the same, I think I talked about it last week, it's the same Holy Spirit that you're born again by. You're recreated on the inside by the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit that I was born again by is the same Spirit that led me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I didn't understand it. And the thing that got me to do it was I said to the person who was going to pray for me, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And I was part of a Southern Baptist church at that time. And so we were acquainted with the move of the Spirit in the area of salvation. And I knew that tug and I knew that pull. And it was the same tug and the same pull. And my head did not understand it, but my heart did. And all I said was, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And then probably about five seconds passed. Oh, okay. Pray for me then. Because, you know... I unconsciously, I mean, I wasn't conscious. I wasn't thinking like, okay, the Lord's leading me to do this, this. You know, it was just like, oh, I heard myself say that. I'm like, okay, I know that. That, that, that uh, what do you call it? I wanted to say voice, but it's not an audible voice. But that leading has never led me off. That witness, that's the word. Uh, that, the witness of the Holy Spirit, he's never led me wrong. And he'll never lead you wrong. Sometimes we get... Uh, our own interpretation on things or we get, you know, if it's a very emotional thing like a relationship thing when we were dating or I was dating other people before her, not after her, of course. <laughs> Thank God I have a wonderful wife. And, uh, but, you know, people, young people or uh, sometimes now people get married when they're older, um, get confused with their emotions and stuff. And so, um, but the Holy Spirit will never, uh, never lead you wrong. So he's our model. He's our inspiration. After he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go quickly so I can get to the the points I want to get to. But uh, response. He gave a command. We have to respond. We're making a response all the time, whether we realize it or not, but we have to give a response. Are we going to follow his command? And then... Uh, to the apostles whom he had chosen. We have to have an action um, and act on what he says. And then he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. The reason the gospel is credible, C, M-I-R-A-C, the credibility of the gospel is because Christ rose from the dead. That's proof that what we believe is true. And the devil didn't even understand what was happening. He thought, yeah, I got him, I got him, I got him. It says if he would have known, he would have never crucified him. You realize he crucified him. He didn't kill him. Jesus freely gave up his own life. But the moment he did that and went to hell and gained victory over the devil, now he had gained legal victory over every area that the devil could try to conquer us with. He was victorious over it. I think we sang some song like that today. I don't remember the name of it because I'm in the middle of this. But um, He gained victory over every area, including death itself. And actually, not only death itself, but the consequences of sin. Hell itself. So so a lot of times we look at the life of Christ and he died and he rose again. And, oh, that's awesome. So we can die and we can live again. We can rise again, like Corinthians tells us. But he died and he took the penalty on himself for all of our sins. And not only did he do that, he took all of our sickness on himself. Not only did that, he took all of our poverty on himself. He took every bit of the curse, every bit of our mess-ups, every bit of our inability to have the right results. He took it all on himself. And then he went and conquered the devil 
in hell itself and came out victorious. So victorious, the Bible says, I don't know which translation I should look it up, but it says he paraded him nakedly in front of a bunch of people, like a triumphal parade and procession we learn in Colossians. So um, the gospel is credible. If he rose from the dead, we know we can rise from the dead. Teal Osborne, Osborne, Daisy Osborne, his wife, she taught a message one time entitled, You're Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. (laughs) Never too dead for a resurrection. And a lot of times we can be believers, but we're dead while we live. What does that mean? We're, you know, we're down, yeah, it's going okay. And if I can just make it to Friday, if I can just make it to the weekend, you know, and then, you know, the curse is terrible. Oh, the curse is so terrible because you can actually say, wake up in the morning, if I could just make it through the day. Lord, if I could just make it through the day. And then you go to bed and then you're tormented at night. And you're like, if I could just make it through the night. <laughs> and then it starts all over again the next day. And, you know, uh, the Bible says that's part of the curse. That's part of the curse. And uh, if we'll let the devil, he'll just have, you know high carnival over us in every area of our lives so that um, no matter what we do, it's wrong. No matter what we say, it's wrong. Uh, But uh, Jesus said, uh, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So then it says he ministered 40 days after he rose from the dead, speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And I think one of the best ways to think of the kingdom of God, like what's the definition of the kingdom of God, is just to think that's God coming to live in you and coming to live in me. The kingdom of heaven coming to live in us. Because we know it's not a political system. If you look at verse uh, 6, actually let's just read verse 4 through 6. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, are you at this time going to restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he says, well, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons with the Father, which the Father has put in his own power. But you'll receive power. To me, it's like he just changed the subject on you. Uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like the first time I uh, was in that meeting with Brother Hagin. Uh, he prophesied, I didn't realize he was prophesying. He didn't know what was going on. And the people like are falling out left and right. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? What is going on? And uh, I went home that night and I was kind of like, stirred up on the inside, not in a, in a little bit of a, not disgusted, but I was a little bit annoyed way. I'm like, Lord, is this of you or is this not of you? I just gave $5. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I didn't know where a lot of my meals were coming from, mind you. Uh, you know, anyhow, uh, and he didn't answer me the way I thought he would answer. He did speak to me. He said, um, go back in the morning, and if you still have trouble with it, then I'll talk to you about it. So a lot of times we, we want him to say like, Lord, you know, yeah, I'm putting you in charge. You're in charge of the country of, you know, give you the United States. You're the United States. You're Russia. You know, where should you be? <laughs> Panama or something. I don't know. Uh, but that's what they're wanting. They're like, are we in charge now? Are we running this thing now? And he's like, 
You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Don't focus on these natural things. Get rid of that skunk smell. Stop, stop focusing on that. Focus on, look it, I'm telling you, the same Holy Spirit, the same anointing that came on me when I came out of the Jordan River being baptized that descended upon me is going to come on you. That same Spirit that enabled me to do the ministry that you saw me do, that you personally experienced, that you saw with your own eyes, heard with your own ears, touched with your own hands, that same spirit is coming on you. So Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So if you've been anointed by the same spirit, you've been rubbed on by the same spirit. Uh, you know, what did Paul say so much? We are the body of Christ. So we're all part of the body of Christ. So we all have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to enable us to continue the ministry that Jesus began. I see, religion wants to like uh, put Jesus so much in a class by himself that we're all sad that he died and went to heaven. Because, well, if I could have just lived in that day, if I could have just been there at that time. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father, to bring life and life more abundant. And the way he brought life and life more abundant is if you're in contact with him and with his spirit, man, you were, your body was affected, your mind was affected, your spirit was affected. And then he said, I'm going away and I'm sending that same spirit back so that your life can be affected, your body can be affected, your spirit can be affected. So you come in contact with the same spirit, the same anointing that was on him when you're born again. You're recreated by that same Holy Spirit. And when you're recreated, you come in contact with that same power, that same life that is in abundance, not in limited form, but in abundance. So we have the same life. And this week, uh, last week and then this week, is the legality of our faith. The legality of our faith. So all of this is, is great. Jesus can do it, all, you know, all this. But the reason we had to be born again, become new creatures, was because you can't put new wine into old wineskins. They'll burst. So we had to be recreated new so that God's plan could come to pass. And God's plan always was just like it was in the garden. I want to live in fellowship with mankind. That's why I created mankind. That's what I want. I want it back. So now... Um, he recreated us so that he could come live inside of us. And what I think is awesome, I was meditating on it this week. I think what's so awesome is Adam and Eve had a, had a close fellowship with the Lord. And he was really, I don't know if you can say the Lord was offended, but he was not happy uh, when they put clothes on themselves. He's like, you know, well, why, why'd you do that? Oh, because we were naked. He's like, who told you you were naked? And I have, you know, four small children, and I think about that a lot of times, not because they run around naked, because a lot of times they do. But what I think about is, you know, there's such an innocence with them. And when someone steals that innocence, it's, it's, you don't like it, you know? And um, the Lord wanted that intimate fellowship, and he wanted to be close to us. But what I was thinking about this week that is, that was really blessing me was, you know, Jesus came and he died for your sins and for my sins, for our mistakes. And Adam and Eve sinned and they messed up. So they were separated from God. 
But in Christ, God made a way that we don't have to be perfect. They had to be, well, in the area of not eating of the, of the tree, they had to be perfect. They couldn't mess up in it. They messed up and like cursed all mankind, right? Messed up the whole thing. But in Christ, God made a way that we could be in the same condition as Adam and Eve and uh, fellowship with him and mess up. And we learn in 1 John 1, 9, if we mess up, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who has gone before us and made a way. So, uh, you know, God had this plan, you know, really before the foundation of the world. He knew he was going to do this. He knew he was going to set it up this way. So in order for us to be legal, we have to be in Christ. Because he set everything up um, with uh, legal authority. Let, let me read to you uh, Romans chapter 5, a good portion of it from the Living Bible. So now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. For because of our faith... Because we believed him, because we trusted him, that's, that's me adding. He has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient and patience develops its strength of character in us and helps us to trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads up high no matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us and we feel his warm love everywhere within us because God has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless with no, no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might barely be possible. But God showed us his great love, uh, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since by his blood he did all this for us as sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that he's declared us not guilty. Even knowing, you know, he knows more about you than you know about yourself. I think it's interesting. I, you know, uh, one of my confessions that I make quite frequently, probably almost every day, is I plead the blood of Jesus that prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive me. The bad thing about deception is you're deceived, so you don't realize that you're deceived. But while we were guilty, he took care of it. He took care of it. When we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners who had no use for him. Even, when we were, even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might barely be possible. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since by his blood he did all this for us as sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Now he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. And since uh, when we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son, what blessings he must have for us now that we are his friends and he is living within us. Isn't that awesome? I, think that's a, I really like that translation. And the reason that you can stand 
when you see someone that is possessed of the devil or you see a sickness that overwhelms you that maybe even has a stench to it that your, your nose, it's like overcoming your nose and your gag reflex is because you stand in the authority of Christ. And the reason we stand in the authority of Christ is Christ legally gained our right to be anointed of God, to be one with God back. He gained it back. So that when we stand and we speak and we say and even we enter a city, uh, the devils are alert and they know. But we don't have to back down and we shouldn't back down from any devil because the word of God is true. Because they have been defeated by Jesus Christ himself. And he said, I'm doing this and I'm doing this for you. If you ever had like or been around young children, we have four, like I said, you know, they get sick you know, the, the desire comes in me like, man, I'd like to take that for you. And then I think, every time I think, since I learned, I didn't know when I was younger, but, and then I think, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus felt. And he did it. So I don't even have to do it. He did it. And um, he did it on our behalf. Everything he did, he did for you and he did for me. He stood in our place. He stood there as if he did every wrong thing that you could ever do. He stood there as if he was lost because, you know, uh, he was separated from God on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he knows what it's like to be without God in the world. And he did not like it. He did not enjoy it. Uh, The Bible also says he was tempted in all points like as we were yet without sin. Well, think about that. If he did it with sin, if he sinned at all, he couldn't be the perfect spotless sacrifice that took away the sins of the whole world once and for all. No one else has to offer blood. He doesn't have to take his own blood in there again and again and again. That blood is perpetually speaking and perpetually declaring over you and over me and over the world, I'm not mad at them. They have a right to come into my presence without being intimidated, without feeling like they don't belong. They have a right to come in and feel like this is where I belong. This is where I should be. This is where I should live because of the blood of Jesus. So he took every bit uh, of uh, the sin that you might have experienced that you know about and that you don't know about, and then he took every bit of sickness every bit of poverty, every bit of things that maybe you've never experienced certain things or maybe you have. He took it all in himself and, and conquered it. And we have a legal right to stand in the earth and drive back the forces of the devil the same way he did because he gained victory for us and he accounted it to us. And then he said, I have given you authority. Now go. So immediately once he got authority, he delegated his authority to us and said, you go. So I can come and say, you know, Jesus told me to tell you today, if you have sickness in your body, and I'm telling you this today, if you have sickness in your body, you're healed. You can get up and you can go free. If you have sin, I'm authorized to tell you your sins are forgiven. I'm not forgiving your sins. He forgave your sins. You know, in the Old Testament, they would like, like forgive. If you actually look in the New Testament, every um, example of redemption that we find, we talk about being redeemed, which we, I mentioned the definition last week. That means it's removed as if it never existed before. Redeemed, bought back, the price was paid. And so we are redeemed. 
And then verse 8 says, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Back in verse 4, but wait for the promise of the Father. If we did this whole study and we didn't do anything else, like that would just be a good study. And our heads would be fatter, more knowledge. You know, your brain would be developed more because you learned a lot of good stuff and I learned a lot of good stuff. But we have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. So we have to go and experience. And um, we step out in faith on the word of God and believe God. Like the lady I prayed for last week, you know, that had cancer. I just believe God. Our job is to believe God. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I laid hands on her, actually prayed for her, rebuked the cancer. And um, I'm not the healer, he's the healer. And, you know, like I said, in the, sometimes everybody will be healed. In the, in the Philippines, I think it was five people. I had them sit on the front row. And I told the story a few weeks ago. And every single one of the people that we laid hands on were instantly healed. And you won't have that all the time. I haven't had that all the time. I mean, I had people come to me uh, last summer. And uh, at the church I was at in Michigan for a while, I used to teach on Wednesday nights. There was a period of time I taught a lot on Wednesday nights. It was probably like four or five years ago now. So last year, which would have made it like four years ago, I went to this uh, social thing that they had going on, and this lady came up to me, and she said, you know, I just want to thank you because uh, you've changed the life of my grandson. His life is totally different. He's like totally changed, set free. It's wonderful. And I said, oh, you know, she's like, I appreciate, you know, your, your preaching and ministry. And I said, oh, thank you. I said, you know, uh, was this recently? <laughs> Or no, I said, I said, I said, I said, oh, I said, there's another Pastor Tim here. Maybe it's the other Pastor Tim. And she's like, no, it was you. And I said, no, I, you know, well, I, I haven't taught on Wednesday in a long time. And she's like, oh, yeah, this was like four or five years ago. She, and she had never come and told me. And at that same social gathering, there was another person that came up and said like the same thing. And tremendous things happened. I think that one was like they had like uh, something in their body and tremendously healed. Well, at the moment you're laying hands on them, you don't necessarily see an instant change. Uh, a lot of times things will happen, you begin to amend. Even Jesus, they begin to amend uh, in some of the cases. And so the point is, we're just to act in faith. And I just say, you know what, Lord, I'm standing in your place. I'm, I'm the hands of Jesus because Jesus doesn't have physical hands here without me laying my hands or you laying your hands. Jesus doesn't have an audible voice without you or me doing that. There's a supernatural side of that that sometimes happens, but you can't guarantee that. But I can guarantee that if you speak the word of God, you're speaking the life of Christ. You're speaking the words of Christ. And you can do the same thing that Jesus would do uh, if he were there. What would Jesus do? You know, those bracelets that were popular a while ago. What would Jesus do? So if you'll stand with me, uh, we have a great privilege and a great honor to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And uh, if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're here this morning or you're listening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't try to clean yourself up. Don't try to get better. Don't try to fix everything because Jesus himself has fixed everything for you. He did it because we couldn't do it ourselves. He made a way because there was no way without him. No matter how good you are, no matter how amazing uh, you think you are, if you offend in one part, you're guilty of all. So Jesus Christ 
wants to touch you here, today, or wherever you're listening to this. He wants to be your Lord and to be your Savior. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment that you believe and confess, you're born again, you're made brand new on the inside. If you'd like to pray with us, you can uh, email us at info at anchordc.org or come up front and I'll, I'll pray with you. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's an experience like we've looked at that's subsequent to salvation that is empowering to be a witness. And, uh, you know, we look at the apostles, and before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were kind of timid. But once they got full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost, they received power to be a witness. And so you can receive that here this morning. You can email or you can come forward and we'll pray for you. And I just want to pray for everyone. Father God, we thank you for your word, that your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. Father, we just ask that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding concerning you and concerning our inheritance. Father, that you'll help us to stand boldly in the place of Christ in the earth. Father, that we will uh, stand against the forces of the devil and declare you're not having our family, you're not having our church, you're not having our city. We declare Jesus is Lord and the glory of God will cover the earth. Father, we thank you for many lives and many souls coming into your kingdom and coming to know you. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us for he has anointed us to preach the gospel. He's anointed us to heal blind eyes. He's anointed us to set the captives free. Father, we thank you. We pray that you drive up more um, people, more witnesses, more preachers uh, to go around the world and around our city and declare that Jesus is Lord and drive back the forces of darkness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.